0: Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske.
1: Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome back to an exciting new episode. This is episode 218 of the Sample Chapter Podcast, and today's guest is a very special debut teen author named A.Y. Jolin. A.Y. Uh, reached out to the show. She was a fan of a previous uh, couple of previous episodes, I guess. And uh, reached out to the show to uh, want to come on and discuss her debut book, The Girl Who Wasn't Chosen. And I am so happy that she did because this was a, this was a delightful chat. And she was really a joy to talk to. We are discussing this, uh, this debut novel, uh, The uh, Middle School Fantasy with a 12-year-old hero. Uh, we're talking about inspiring young authors, and uh, we're also <laughs> also talking about how you know what it's like to work on something for so long, uh, like years, only to turn around and rewrite the entire novel after having worked on it for so long, plus character surprises, things that have popped up along the way that surprises us as authors. Uh, all this and so much more is coming up. Uh, you're going to love this interview. She was... She was so much fun to talk to, and very bright, and uh, the book is just incredible, so perceptive, and uh, her reading is very detailed and immersive. It's got some humorous tidbits here and there, and just overall, just a lovely reading that you're going to enjoy, so stay tuned for this. It's coming up here in just a couple of moments. As for me, I have been... Uh, you know writing has been a little intermittent again lately. I've gotten pretty busy had a you know a, as you heard here a while back had a new grandbaby So been very busy with that and then other you know, just uh <laughs> Life stuff, but uh, but it's good because I've got the same I've got the same habit lately where when I do get to sit down and write I'm getting in some good words. So bandit 2 is coming along really well I'm actually uh, I'm looking at an event Uh, that I'm planning to go to in September, uh, mid-September, and once I nail that down, I'll let you all know, just in case you can uh, be there, and of course another event in, uh, oh, and then another event in October and November is what I'm kind of looking at right now, so what the hope right now is that I can finish Bandit, uh, I don't think I'll finish it this month, but if I can finish it early August, and get it out to my beta readers so that I can be doing my edits and such. Then I should have it ready for September events. But that's what I'm that's what I'm shooting for right now. And that's exciting. It's it's yeah, the story's coming along, and uh, I'm very happy with it. I know I'm gonna have some uh, severe editing to do at the beginning because I've had to go back and change some things here and there. Yet, but it'll be nice just to have the the book done. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how how hard this draft has been. But you know what it's like, Uh, all of you listeners out there. I know there's a lot of you out there who are writers yourselves, some of you out there who are aspiring writers, and you've reached out to the show. So I want to encourage you to don't give up. Keep writing. Keep going at it each and every day. And uh, just know that whenever you do get that book done, and you've got it ready to go out, and it's it's, it's available to read, let me know. I want to get you on the show. Now, how do you do that? Well, of course, you can follow the show on social media. We're on the three main platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can just follow us there at Sample Chapter Podcast. Uh, you can also reach out to the show if, if social media is not your thing. You can reach out to the show by email at SampleChapterPodcast at gmail.com. Or give me a call. Let me uh, let me know what you think of the show or a recent episode uh, whatever is on your mind, leave me a voicemail by calling 660-851-1146. And uh, yeah, of course, if it's a good voicemail, I'll make sure to play it on an upcoming episode. As always, I want to thank Scrivener, my uh, longtime sponsor of the show. I do all of my writing on Scrivener. I love it. Absolutely adore it. And it has it has saved my butt more times than more times than I can believe. Especially right now with Bandit Two and the way I've been uh, changing things and moving chapters around and referring back to characters, you have all that availability and so much more available to you. Check out this advertisement to find out how you can save twenty percent on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard. You can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software. Built by writers for writers. And there you have it. Once again, thank you to Scrivener. I also want to thank an affiliate of the show, Writers Block Coffee. They are home to three spectacular flavors of coffee. The Deadline Dark, sure to keep you up uh, as late as you need to be when you're burning the candle at both ends. The Signature Writer's Block Blend. And, of course, there is the uh, my personal favorite, the Whiskey Barrel Aged Blend. Uh, order one, order them all, uh, grab a sample, or you, you can also order one time or set it up on monthly auto shipment. Click that link in the show notes to get right over to our personal link or go to writersblockcoffee.com and use coupon code SAMPLECHAPTER and save 10% on your order. Finally, I want to thank my friends at Pop Goes to Culture Network, home to about a dozen other fantastic shows. Uh, Whether you're looking for movie news, uh, television news, anything pop culture related, there is a show for you. So click that link in the show notes, get on over there and check out all the fantastic shows, including their flagship show, Pop Goes a Culture podcast. All right. Well, without further ado, let's hop on over to our interview with Baltimore, Maryland native A.Y. Joel. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Hey, welcome back. This week, I'm very excited. I've been very fortunate this past year to have some extremely talented young authors, uh, young first-time authors on the show, and today is no exception. Uh, Today, we are joined with A.Y. Jolin. Uh, A.Y. Jolin is a Christian teen author currently living in Baltimore, Maryland. She published her debut middle-grade novel, The Girl Who Wasn't Chosen, her senior year of high school. When not writing, she loves spending time with her little sister, building robots, and of course, reading books. And today, she joins me to discuss that first book. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the show, Ay Jolen.
0: Hello, it's so nice to be on. I'm really excited <laughs> to talk to you.
1: I'm excited to talk to you too. And and what an incredible first book! Uh, it looks amazing. It sounds amazing, and just. Uh, what a way to go. You have some glowing reviews and uh, just, I mean, you've got to be on cloud nine right now.
0: Thank you. Um, it's definitely been a weird experience, but i have it's been kind of interesting, especially like as a teen, it was kind of always one of my dreams to publish a book. Mm-hmm. So when I actually published it, I've definitely had like those cloud nine moments, like you said, where I'm like, whoa, I actually did it. Here are these people who actually read my book and like it. <laughs> But other than that, I'm mostly like a normal teenager day to day basis. Like it didn't really change my everyday life. I guess.
1: <laughs> that's the uh, that's that next step after everybody after we get our first book out there, and then about a week or two into it, then also it's like, wait a minute, the world didn't change. Uh, where where's the uh, where's the literature? person that's going to be coming in with my big check and uh, I'm going to move into my mansion where did that why why didn't that happen
0: (laughs) exactly I published my book basically January of my senior year so school kept going I still had (laughs) all the exams all the tests it did not change a minute after I (laughs) published.
1: yep yeah, my first book came out. And uh, I think a couple of days later, I've got a house payment to make and I've got other things, other bills still coming. And and of course, with the way Amazon works, like, yeah, you're going to see those payments in a couple months. I'm like yeah. oh.
0: <laughs> I did not realize that would first go in, And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What was what was that first uh, dream that came to you? Like, how, how did you? Or what were you first thinking when you decided you wanted to be an author?
0: So I guess I just, I guess I should probably start with when I was really young, I was always really into storytelling. So I got into writing because I was kind of a shy, quiet kid. And it was kind of the natural next step of something that was easy and available to do. So when I was in middle school, I wrote my first book and for then I always like to challenge myself when doing things. So in middle school, the challenge really was finishing a book. Mm-hmm. And once I finished that book and I shelved it because I wasn't really interested in the story anymore, I moved on my freshman year of high school. And at that point, I'd already completed this challenge of finishing a book. So I said, OK, well, I'm writing this other book. I have this other idea. Why don't I try to publish it? And that's sort of where the dream of like being an author began. And then I focused all throughout high school trying to make the best quality book possible to make a book that was actually good enough to be published and then research publishing and actually publish the book. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that already puts you like far and ahead of so many authors, including myself. I remember, I remember in junior high trying to write stories for my friends and I, but same thing, they would get shelved. And I mean, all throughout my early adulthood and whatever, it was the same thing of, I'd write a story, put it away, but I had no idea of what it would take to make it better. And it wasn't until, I mean, just a few years ago that I got serious about it and then realized like looking back at so many stories, like, oh my gosh, these are terrible. These yeah. are just terrible. Yeah. And uh, joined a local writing group and just started discovering like, oh, this is how you fix it. This is what you do to to tell a story and uh, the three act structure, hero's journey, all that kind of stuff. and. And uh, it's an amazing journey, but it's so worth it.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think also for me, a big advantage, which like you probably didn't have when you were younger is honestly the internet. There were so Mm -hmm. many free like videos on writing with all those different story structures. Mm -hmm. So I was able to actually learn it from a very young age. I think if I hadn't been exposed to that and had like, I can go on YouTube and basically search up videos with free advice from published authors. That was so, so helpful to me when I was a young writer. So I definitely say if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't have gotten started as young because those things kind of solidified lessons like, oh, you need to actually stick with a book. Whereas before in middle school, I was jumping from book to book when I actually saw a video where someone's saying, no, you have to stick with a book and finish it. I actually stuck with the book and finished it. And that really helped me in the long run kind of become a better writer. Mm-hmm. So I'd say definitely I was in, I was very fortunate to be born at a time where information is so accessible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, and there's something to that uh, for me, it, it's funny because the internet would be uh, one way to look at, it, and I definitely utilize that now uh, with YouTube and other things. Uh, but like 10 years ago when i first discovered podcasts that's where i was listening to podcasts and listening to uh, mm-hmm. authors discussing the writing process and it was the first time i could listen to someone talk about the process without being bored because mm-hmm. i would i would discover people talking about it in new ways and they're discussing uh how to tell a story in relation to, Hey, here's this uh, new Marvel movie thing that came out and how that correlates to a story. And I found that so fascinating and it, and I could relate to it, which I, I think is, is a, a step. It's one of those important steps as uh, at well with anything that you do, if you can relate to it, then you can learn and, and go from there because otherwise, yeah, you're, you're in the dark ages like I was growing up of, yeah, I wrote a book and nobody cares. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love my parents, but they definitely like, or my family didn't really understand because I come from a very STEM family where everyone's like doctors and super technology. So when I was like writing a book, they were a little bit confused, didn't really understand it. So I can definitely relate to the write a book. (laughs) and Nobody cares.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, so tell us about the girl who wasn't chosen uh what what is the story and and how did you come up with this
0: um it's kind of funny because i actually got the idea of the story the protagonist is 12 and i had the idea for sort of the moral of the story and like the meaning behind it when mm-hmm. i was 12 because it was a genuine thing that i struggled with as a 12 year old this idea of wanting to be special and wanting to be unique and different and realizing that I really wasn't special. <laughs> I was like a normal 12 year old kid. I wasn't an artistic prodigy or anything like that. And a lot of the books that I read when I was younger really put emphasis on like the chosen one trope, this idea of a character who has these magical powers or this unique ability. And that's what sort of makes them succeed. So I really wanted to write a book where there is an adventure and the character does succeed, but instead they're a regular ordinary person. Because in my real life, I've found generally that the people who find success aren't necessarily super talented. They're just hardworking, genuine people. So I wanted to kind of do that in a kid's book and create the kid's book that I didn't read.
1: Wow. Okay. So you you did... Maybe without even realizing it, you wrote what a lot of people, a lot of people suggest, which is to write the book you want to read.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I, yeah, I didn't even think about it like that, but I guess I did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But that's great because it was something special to you. It was, you were passionate about the subject and it was something that you were able to stick to it and tell that story uh, because you were living it. You knew the the uh, protagonist uh inside and out and what it was going to take to finish it so that's that's awesome that's great congratulations thank you <laughs> so tell us about this world that she lives in
0: um so basically she lives in celia which is this fantasy type world and it's trapped behind a ring of mountains and they've had no mm-hmm. contact with the outside world for basically hundreds of years mm-hmm. and um, every day, or sorry, every 50 years, this man known as the Sky Charter travels through the mountains, comes and picks a son who is their hero, and the son basically defends them from these monsters and then also may or may not destroy the mountains. The hope is always that the son is going to destroy these mountains and save them and kind of reconnect them with the outside world because mm-hmm. the place they live in is run down with starvation and monsters and just generally not a nice place to live in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it. So uh, how, uh, how did you go about with the world building? Uh, Was it based on anything that you read or is it something that uh, was just pure imagination? Uh, How how did you build that world?
0: So it's kind of interesting because when I originally wrote the story, I ended up rewriting it and adding in all this world building. The original story was supposed to be very much a regular medieval type fantasy mm. book, um, basically European medieval type fantasy. And I realized that those types of books were, there was a lot of them. And so there was kind of an oversaturation in them. Mm. And I realized, oh, I want to be a little bit more creative with my world building. So I kind of took The whole um my story being about the chosen one and said okay how can i create a world that makes sense with this idea of there being a hero why would there need to be a hero and worked backwards from there and then created basically a world purely from my imagination
1: wow that's fantastic you know one of the things that really blows me away with uh, the story that you wrote at your age is like just going over some of the reviews and people discussing the uh, the book and how it, it they, they talk about how it's keeping them on their toes, it's immersive, uh, it's touching on, on things about um discovering yourself. Which you know, as uh, somebody of your age, of, of being a, a younger like you are. That just blows me away that you were able to do something that people are recognizing as, hey, this is like, you know, next level stuff. A lot of even adult authors like myself uh, or even established authors still don't delve that deeply into it. Do you think some of that was instinctual, uh, just kind of coming out as you wrote? Or did you have intention behind, no, I want there to be a lesson here?
0: Um, I did I generally do like I don't know if I like the word lesson and stuff like that I like to look at his meaning and a purpose because I feel oh. like when you have kids books and it's like shoving down a kid's throat a lesson mm-hmm. it can be very at least I wouldn't like to read that type of book when I was a kid so yeah. I do definitely try to put meaning in my stories from my own personal experiences Um, So you're right. There is sort of a a lesson, I guess. But I try to do it in a way that's fun and compelling and not super shoved down your throat. And also a little more subtle in the sense of um, that someone doesn't necessarily need to take away the same thing. It can be a different story to different people. So there doesn't need Mm. to be one clear Lesson and moral, I guess mm-hmm. people can learn and take different things from the book. It's more like an experience type
1: thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I <laughs> you're blowing me away with some of this. <laughs> so tell us about your uh, your main character. What what is her name?
0: Her name is Lita Rubes.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um and she basically, in many ways, she is um, like me in the sense that she's very I think motivated but she's kind of the opposite as well she's a very adventurous spunky 12 year old girl she comes basically from a family of seven and she's the middle child so she doesn't really get a lot of attention and that kind of fuels her desire to be the son and basically be her country's hero Mm -hmm. and strive sort of for fame which Maybe isn't the best goal. She kind of learns that over the course of the book, but um, yeah. So I would say she's just a very adventurous, athletic girl, um, and very hardworking and confident. So, yeah.
1: That's great. All right. Did you find uh, as you were writing her, did um, she occasionally like kind of pop into your head and tell you like, no, no, that's not where the story is going. This is where I want to go. This is what I want to do next.
0: So when I first um, wrote the story, I actually had everything plotted out, but I ended up rewriting and scrapping that version of the story. And mm. when I scrapped that, I completely pantsed it, which means I wrote it out of my head. Basically, I guess, let the characters lead where they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So yes, in the final <laughs> draft, she definitely <laughs> chose some of the outcomes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, was uh, what was something surprising about that process? Uh, did, did, did she surprise you at times?
0: Um, I guess about the process, the book was I found to be much better when I pantsed it than when I plotted it. It was more authentic to the character and just a better, more story. Mm-hmm. It ended up being a lot more action packed than previous drafts had been.
1: Yeah. So,
0: I guess that aspect really surprised me. Again, tying into the whole aspect that she's very adventurous and kind of impulsive and seeks the danger. When she was leading it, there was a lot more danger.
1: <laughs> she's like, "No, we're we're going over here. Here's yeah. there's a squirrel over there. I'm going that direction now, too." <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I love that feeling. I my standalone books. I I'm very much that way. I like to to pants it and see where it takes me, and I've I've learned. With my series that I'm writing, I can't quite do that, at least on the sequels. I've got to have an outline and uh, stick to that because otherwise i mess up on like, oh, wait, no, they've done this before or they're going this direction now. I can't change it midway. Uh, but that, that's a lot of fun to uh, have the characters telling you. And my wife finds it. <laughs> she finds it hilarious because sometimes I'm writing in my chair while she's on the couch and we're not really watching tv because i'm i'm doing one thing and she's on her phone or something and and all of a sudden i'm chuckling or i'm going oh, oh my gosh it's like and she's like what I'm like, oh never mind you mean your character just told you something it's like, yeah yeah oh my gosh we're going on another adventure we're going somewhere else that i didn't expect so <laughs> yeah
0: it's so bad you would i guess it's weird because it's sort of I'm basically laughing at myself, but mm-hmm. I find a lot of the dialogue between, especially if I have two characters that work really well together, I'll have a lot of short kind of witty dialogue type stuff. And that always cracks me up. <laughs> it, I, yes. I'm writing it for myself. So technically I should know it, but still interesting to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great, and very fascinating process. And I would love to like, study a little bit into what that goes into like do I have multiple personalities is (laughs) that what's happening here but
0: (laughs) yeah definitely I'm very big on writing characters that are not like me and very distinctly different for me for example Lita hates reading and is illiterate and I love reading and writing I could not imagine doing anything but it and Mm -hmm. she's also very athletic and I'm not very athletically gifted so it does really feel like the characters are distinct people from me, even though they have things in common with me and simil- learn similar things that I do. Mm-hmm. Definitely an interesting part of the process I've found.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, is this going to be part of a series or, uh, or what's next?
0: Um, so I wrote the book originally where um, it could be a series or a standalone because I wasn't sure now I think I'm probably going to leave it as a standalone because I have other projects that I'm working on that I'm very excited about, Mm -hmm. especially as I'm growing as a writer and changing. And especially with this book, I really started it when I was 14 and now I'm 18. So there's a big maturity gap (laughs) in like how you change from a 14 year old to an 18 year old. So now I sort of want to work on new stories and not stuff that I had been working on in middle school and high school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that that's good though. That, and that's, that's uh, just growth as an author to look back and to see like where things need to change. And like you said, you even scrapped it and changed. just decided to completely revisit and see where it went uh, with a fresh mind. Yeah. and uh that that's a lot of growth that uh, oh my gosh it takes a lot of us uh even like i say even established authors sometimes a lot of years to uh, discover that so you're you're doing going ahead of the game and and doing very well with for yourself
0: thank you <laughs>
1: <laughs> so are you working on something now
0: uh yes i am i'm going to keep it really top secret because ah. i i my books change a lot as i've said so what (laughs) i'm writing right now is probably going to be completely different by the final drafts i can't say too much but i'm very excited (laughs) for it so i will say
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right well you've got to let us know when your next book is available so that we can help promote that as well and uh share it with the world yeah (laughs) (laughs) well like i said you are you're doing amazing you uh you know you were talking about yourself very modestly is that you're just another average girl but you need to know too that it's like 2% or less than 2% of people who start a book actually finish it so that puts you in elite company be proud of yourself be you know congratulate uh, congratulate yourself cuz you've earned it and that's fantastic so i'm proud of you i'm so happy that you joined me today and that uh, we get to celebrate your book and uh, i can't wait to see what's next from you
0: Thank you. <laughs> I'm happy I got to just go on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, where can people find and follow you to uh, learn more?
0: Um, you can follow my Instagram and also I'm on Facebook as well. Everything is just AY Jolin. if you searched up. Um, Instagram's at AYJolin, at AY underscore Jolin. My website, com. So, and also on Goodreads, but yeah, it's just all my pen name. So if you search it up, I will be there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, you know, and actually I was just talking about this with, a, with an author in a recent episode. You did a, a very good step, which is you claimed your author page on Amazon as well. And and now Goodreads too. I got to find you up on uh, on Goodreads. So, but you'd be surprised how many authors have not claimed their Amazon page so that readers can find out more about you and find out where to, to go. So that's good and uh listeners i'm gonna have links to all of that in the show notes so uh just like my last name you're gonna see how how jolyn is spelled and uh, you just click that link in the bottom so you can find her website her amazon all of that will be right there so easy peasy just click the link and go on over there and follow her all right well ay thank you so much for coming on this has been a real delight for me and uh, I, I can't wait to hear this sample. Uh, do we have anything to set up for this uh, for this reading or anything we should know ahead of time?
0: Um, not really. I'm going to be reading just the first chapter. So good Perfect. introduction to the story. <laughs>
1: Perfect. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside with my writer's block coffee and hand the floor over to my guest, A.Y. Jolin, with The Girl Who Wasn't Chosen.
0: Chapter one, An Old Man Ruins My Life jumping out of windows is harder than it looks. Sneaking away from my dad? Even harder. This time he grabs me in midair with his meaty hands. They sink into my shoulders like falcon claws, plopping me onto the floor. Its mossy floorboards scratch at my knees. I glance at the sunny window behind me, packed with bright banners and whispering crowds. I was so close to joining them, so close to meeting him, but instead I get another lecture. Great. Lita, what did I say about jumping out of windows? He demands. He's a tall man with a slick, bald head, furry brown beard, and big belly. The combination makes him resemble a fuzzy bear, which usually causes me to hug him, but not today. Today, I don't have time. I've put my shoes on so I look nice for the ceremony. I squeak, curse my high-pitched 10-year-old voice. It always makes me sound like I'm nervous. For the record, I am never nervous. That's probably why my parents want to install boards on our windows. Daddy, daddy, two kids burst into the bedroom, Mac and Nella, my annoying little siblings. They each have a fistful of shaggy hazel hair and grubby fingers which latch onto my dad's legs, yanking him away from me. He sighs, pinching my nose. Just go prepare with everybody else. I don't want my coolest daughter looking bad for today's ceremony. He turns his back to me, addressing my siblings instead. I hang my head as he laughs with them. Fine, I guess I'll do what he says since sneaking past him is impossible. Then I drag myself into my family's glass shop, which is attached to our house's front. The stench of moss swams into me first, then the clink of tiny glass statues, the stuffy cobblestone walls, and the chilly windows, which normally mark the entrance to my family's shop. Today, people cluster inside it. I mean, it's always stuffed with people since there's nine of us, counting mom and dad but now we've invited the neighbors too. The noise alone nearly drives me to jump out the window again. Kids argue over which fingerless leather gloves to wear while women braid sea flowers into their hair and men smash berries in wooden buckets. The commotion is in preparation for today's choosing ceremony, but why work this hard if we arrive so late that the Sky Charter misses us? How can he pick the best son if he can't see all the candidates? I sigh. The least I can do is put my sandals on so I look good for the sky charter, then maybe try another escape plan. I trudge over to the kids wrestling over gloves. The sandals should be on the other side, wedged right underneath the fighting kids. I want the dark ones, one girl screeches, but they're mine. My grandma bought them for me, a boy argues. Excuse me, I say. Well, she said I could have them. She said I could have them too, a different girl says. Hey, let me through, I yell. Finally, a few eyes turn towards me and some kids shift, creating an opening in their thick crowd. The hum of sweaty bodies presses against my shoulders. I reach in between them onto the back shelf where one pair of leather sandals rests. only for a short boy with chubby cheeks to snatch them before I can. Gabriel, my second little brother, he giggles at me, then races off to play with a few friends. Ugh. I roll my eyes, searching for another pair under the shelves. That's when the whispers start. Who is that girl again? The one who yelled? A tall girl asks. My face burns as my body stiffens. I thought Mira would have remembered my name. We talked yesterday. The boy beside Mira shrugs. Dunno. I'm guessing one of the Rubus kids. I kind of remember Alex saying he had two little sisters. Bare wood scratches against my palms. There are no sandals left. Really, another sister? She tilts her head. There's so many rubis kids. I only remember the interesting ones. Interesting ones? My lip quivers as I leave the crowd. It doesn't matter. A bunch of older kids won't make me sad for today's ceremony. My shoulders droop anyways, as I trudge over to a jar decorated with painted blue flowers. There's nothing inside the foggy glass piece. Oh, great. If I'm the only girl without sea flowers braided in my hair, I'll be the laughing stock of Wayland. There's no way the sky charter will pick me then. I twist my body around the corner to face a lady surrounded by a flock of other women. She braids the hair of the younger girl, her laughter bouncing off the various glass statues, pots, and cups. Mom, I call. Do you have any extra? And then I told him he needed to. She continues. I stomp my foot. The woman finally glanced at me, but their hazy eyes latched onto the screaming kids and rowdy men behind me instead. Do you have any sea flowers left? Oh, I thought I already braided flowers into your hair, Nella. Mom stares at Irene, my older sister, continuing to weave glowing flower petals into her inky hair. I'm not Nella, Mom, I grumble. I don't even look like my youngest sister. She's six. Oh, I'm sorry, sweetie. We don't have any left she returns to chatting with her friends. I sigh, tiptoeing towards the door. Then I open it, glancing back at Dad. He's busy chatting too. Well, at least I can leave early now. The smell of seawater and a ring of eerie black mountains greet me as I leave. My house borders our village's edges near the Aurorian Mountains, the mountain range that grew out of the sea and trapped our country from the world. I wiggle my toes in the pine green grass, then smile because today is going to change my life. Today, I'm going to be, how long are you gonna wiggle your toes? A boy my age glances up from his book. I don't talk to him often, but I'd recognize those black curls anywhere. Jorge Macos, the farmer boy who taught himself to read. As long as it takes to cheer me up. I cross my arms, wiggling my toes even harder. He narrows his eyes. Hey, at least I don't spend my time reading. Jorge flips a page. I'm reading because I actually have a dream. Someday I'm gonna be accepted into Evans Academy for Special Children. You probably don't even understand what it's like to dream. I do too. He raises an eyebrow. My dream is even better than going to our capital's best boarding school. I mean, who wants to go to school? I'm going to be the next son. Just the thought of being Celia's next hero sends tingles down my spine. Crowds cheering for me as I fight monsters. People screaming in joy when I finally destroy the Aurorian Mountains. I can't wait. I've been training for years now. Practicing sword fighting with a broom and doing push-ups every morning. It's pretty serious. Jorge snorts. You want this sky charter to choose you? That's even crazier than getting accepted into an even academy. The crazier the dream, the better it is. I brush off my dress. Anyways, I've got to get to the ceremony early in order to get in front of the crowd. See you later. I skip off to the center of our village. Grassy fields morph into dirt roads peppered with wildflowers. Hey, wait. Jorge jogs behind me, dodging a lanky woman. His mouth twists into a sneer. Oh, great. He's going to mock me again. Surprisingly, it then twitches into a smile. I want to see the look on everyone's faces when the Sky Charter picks a girl from Wayland as our next son. I grin. Maybe he's not so bad after all. I'll just have to convince him that school is not worth it. Mom still tells me horror stories about the time she accidentally got stuck in one when trading glass pieces and even. Well, when she has time to talk to me, six other kids and a shop to run doesn't leave lots of time. Plus, you're forgetting this. He reaches into his pocket and pulls out a glowing blue flower. Its petals curl like fish fins and it reeks of seawater, like basically everyone in my village does. At the flower's base is a twisted moon white stem. A sea flower, I stammer, then clear my throat. Thank you, where'd you get it? I pulled it off a cliff for my mom. She doesn't need it though. She has a bunch of them already. He tosses it to me and I tuck it behind my ear. I had to fight a few ocean eaters to get it. I touch my ear. You had to fight monsters and climb a cliff to get this? That's so cool. I cheer then rush further into Wayland Center. There, masses of people with brown hair and eyes like my own await the ceremony. Dark purple banners swing, their silky surfaces brushing my shoulders. Walls belonging to rocky houses trap the crowd in the village's narrow streets, causing the nervous whispering and trampling of feet to echo across the streets. The strong aroma of trampled wildflowers wafts through the crowd, while the blur of leather and sweaty backs swarms my vision. Jorge and I still manage to emerge at the crowd's front, where a few children fidget with their thick clothing and kick up dirt. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the magnificent sky charter. Wayland's Lord booms overhead. He rests on a wooden makeshift stage, which is riddled with holes and smells like an odd mixture of rats and body odor. Not exactly the best first impression you can give a visitor or the eager crowd watching the ceremony. I try not to let the stitched together curtains, creaky old boards, and foul stench bother me. What I focus on is the wiry man standing at the stage's podium, the Sky Charter, the only living man I've met who knows what's beyond the Aurorian Mountains. If that isn't awesome, I don't know what is. He wears a purple and blue robe, embroidered in silver with maps of the sky. The thin cloth looks as smooth as a baby's cheek. Then there's his warm brown eyes and long, stormy gray beard. It has to be the biggest beard that's ever existed. That settles it. He's officially the coolest guy ever. I'm pleased to finally be here. In uh... He pauses, checking the slip of paper in front of him. Of course he forgot the name of my village. Wayland is never on any Salian map. Wayland, such an adorable little village. The sky charter clears his throat, surveying the crowd with sharp eyes. Villagers flood the small roads, some even sit on grassy patches in the shade. Others lean out the windows of their houses, peering at the man through slitted eyes. For hundreds of years, one man from my world, the glorious world outside Celia, has made the treacherous journey of crossing the Aurorian Mountains, which trap you all. Our hope is that our superior knowledge can save you from these terrors, the Sky Charter declares. His voice sounds like the chiming of bells mixed with the crackling of a cozy fire. The crowd and I lean forward as his warm words swarm our ears. Today, I will use that knowledge to pick your new son. I beam, bouncing on the soles of my feet. The afternoon sun and my smile warm my cheeks. This child will grow up to become Celia's savior, protecting you from murderous monsters and conniving criminals at least until the next Sky Charter returns to choose a new sun in 50 years. This very child will try like the 24 sons before them and may even succeed in destroying the Aurorian Mountains and freeing Solia, reestablishing its former glory. Giddy whispers arise from the crowd. Jorge cracks a smile. Just the thought of leaving the clenches of the Aurorian Mountains melts any Solian's heart. The Sky Charter clears his throat again dozens of eyes latched back onto him. Now, to determine if this person is among us today, if Celia's next hero will come from Wayland, I will use the same method my people have used for an eternity, consulting the sky. The crowd murmurs, nudging each other. We're all wondering the same question. What does he mean? What sort of magic will he use to choose our son? Gasps erupt as the sky charter twists his body upwards, cranking his neck so that his head directly faces the sky. His body goes slack while his fingers twitch in the humid hair. Then, in a fit of sudden madness, he blows, Oh, dear sky, tell me if our new sun is here. I follow his gaze upwards to the stone-like clouds. A raindrop slaps my forehead, spreading its icy touch across my face. Seconds later, thunder crackles, gasps erupt. Our sun is here, the sky charter's voice lowers, Puffy, amazed breaths trail his words. He scans the crowd, and suddenly his gaze meets mine. I jump up. This is it, the moment I've been waiting for. But there's something hazy about his dark brown eyes. I've seen those glossy eyes before, that look before. It's the look people give you when they're too busy changing diapers or sweeping the shop to talk to you. The look people have when you're trying to pick out leather sandals and they can't remember your name. My mouth dries, he looks away. My legs nearly crumple and my vision blurs as he meets the nervous eyes of another little girl. He whisks through the crowd straight towards her. Young girl, what is your name? Corey, she squeaks, twirling her stringy black hair. A small jet of blue emerges from the back, a slightly deeper shade than the flowers nestled in her hair. My eyes widen, I've known Corey for years but I've never seen that strand before. She must have hidden it. Freckles thought her round face resting underneath her onyx-colored eyes. While on her right hand is a book, despite every other kid in Waylon, except Jorge, being illiterate. She's extraordinary. Someone fit to be a son. My gut churns. The humid air threatens to suffocate my lungs. The sky charter grips her shoulder. You, my girl, are destined to do great things for this country. She nods, pale from shock. He clutches her little hand and leads her through the crowd. People part ways, excited, whispering, replacing nervous chatter, while Jorge yanks me backwards so I don't bump into the duo. My hand grazes the Sky Charter's long row. It feels like gold, smooth and soft. I stare at my dirty hands, which are covered with fingerless leather gloves. They don't look fit to touch gold. The Sky Charter returns to the stage, where he retrieves a wooden bowl crammed with yellow liquid. He dips a flaky brush in the liquid and, with a sweeping gesture, paints a yellow circle on Corey's face. Even from afar, it's easy to tell that the gold marking mirrors the sun. Cheers erupt. The sound jams into my skull like elk antlers. People of Wayland, the sky charter shouts. Citizens of Celia, this girl is your 25th son, your next savior. The screaming intensifies as people jump and clap. They scramble around, retrieving buckets filled with the same blue liquid. With shouts of glee, they pour the liquid on their faces. Their markings form smudged handprints, all identical to each other. Mira and her friend do the same. Bits of berry juice from their wooden buckets spill onto my ankles. It smells like sour milk. Did you see Corey's blue strand of hair? The girl gushes. It was gorgeous. I've never seen anything like it. Her friend bobs his head and the book she was reading too. I can't believe nobody realized she was going to be her son earlier. Between that book and her hair, she's wailing, maybe even Saleah. Salt stings my mouth. It takes me a minute to realize it comes from my own tears. This was supposed to be my day. They were supposed to be cheering for me, calling me interesting, painting a pretty sun on my face. Not some Coray girl who sits in her grandma's house and reads all day, who didn't memorize every story about her son, who didn't spend hours using anything she could find, brooms and twigs mostly, to teach herself sword fighting. This isn't fair. I bolt running past the fallen banners and worn down houses, all the way back to my family's little shop in this little village everybody forgets. Finally, I race inside a stone-rimmed shop and hide behind a wooden table that is littered with glass items. Directly in front of me is a row of pristine glass statues, which also happen to be modeled off previous suns. They glint in gold, green, and red, winking at me in between fighting a monster or lifting a boulder. You know there's something wrong when even statues' lives are more interesting than yours. Under their scrutiny, I sob then burrow my teary face into scratched-up knees, only to glance up after a rustling sound pierces the air. My dad enters the shop, spilling sunlight onto all of the statues. Now, practically glowing, their colors fill the room, painting our faces in glistening shades of red and orange. Dad locks eyes with me and strolls over. "Lita," he murmurs, crouching down to my level. His sandals squeak with the movement. Leave me alone, I shout pressing my face back into my knees. The tears sting my skin, finding their way into the dozens of tiny scratches, peppering my legs. Why are you crying? Aren't you happy we have a new son? I say nothing. He should know why. He's my dad. He's supposed to pay attention to these things. Come on, did a leafer catch your tongue? Dad tickles my knees. I giggle. It's enough for me to stop hiding. I sigh. It's just not fair. What does Corey have that I don't? Lita? sometimes life can be unfair. Dad sits down, furring his bushy brows. Do you remember the heroes from your mother's stories? The ones who were our previous sons? Yeah, I sniffle. What were they always like? Brave, kind, and selfless? Yes, but there's more to being a son than that, Lita. Our heroes have to be different. He drums his fingers across the wooden planks. I tilt my head. Different? Exactly. Something has to be unique about them. They can't be like everybody else because no ordinary person can do what they do. That's why they have to be extraordinary. Dad exhales, then continues. And Kore is a very extraordinary girl. Do you know why part of her hair is blue when she lives with her grandmother in the woods? No, I narrow my eyes. You really need to spend more time talking to our customers, he mutters. Well, it's because Corey was born with the gift of controlling water. So I could never be chosen because I was born normal? That's the way it has been since our first son was chosen, dad says in a weary voice. But listen to me, that doesn't mean you can't be happy. What I'm trying to say, he rests a firm hand on my shoulder, is that you haven't been given as much as Corey has. But you just need to, he grits his teeth, make do with what you have. I try repeating his words, but my throat remains dry. So instead, I stare at the moldy floorboards we sit on. Multiple knocks rap on our door. My siblings, they're probably looking for dad's bucket. Dad pats my shoulder, half-heartedly grinning, then stands up, grabbing our bucket. Blue liquid, which was made from grinding up wild berries, swirls around in it. Come on, he takes my hand and leads me outside to where the rest of the village cheers. Finally, we return to a grassy spot, away from the pathway packed with my family and friends. Only three of my siblings don't have the markings painted on them. Dad sets this bucket down and dips his hand into it, smearing Nella's face. Alec and Gabriel are next. That leaves me. My hands shake. I know what this means. If I put that liquid on, I'm showing the rest of the world that I'm ordinary. That I'm just a regular village girl, stuck living in a boring village, looking after cows for the rest of her life. Another blob of blue in the sky that the sun lives in. Another blob of blue the sun needs to save. Remember what I said? Dad nudges the bucket towards me. Make do with what I have. I whisper and smear the cold liquid on my face.
1: And there you have it. That was A.Y. Jolin reading the first chapter to her debut novel, The Girl Who Wasn't Chosen. The book is available right now. You can click the link in the show notes for that book, uh, A.Y.'s website, and there's a link in there for her Goodreads as well. Follow her on all of those places. Don't forget to also click the link for our podcast friends, sponsor, and affiliates. And hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when I'm back with a brand new author an all new book and an exciting new sample chapter take care everyone talk to you again real real soon